Hi, I'm Edward Sri, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. What do you do in those moments in life when things don't turn out the way you were hoping for? You know, maybe you had a certain plan in your head for your day or for your life or your career or your family or your marriage, and uh, and then things just turned out differently. There was a big interruption in your day. There was a big problem at work. There were new unexpected challenges in your family life. What do you do in those moments? Maybe you had a certain dream, a certain vision, and things just turned out differently. You know, in these moments or these seasons in life, I like to think about not so much what would Jesus do, WWJD. I like to think about those things, but but he's God. I mean, he already knew everything, you know? It's in these moments when you face the unexpected that I like to think about WWMD, what would Mary do? What would Mary do? Because Mary, she was given unique graces, extraordinary privileges, but yet she still had to walk by faith and not by sight. And there were many times in life when something unexpected happened, some turn of event, and and she has to find God's will in there. And I think we could see this most especially in her fiat, the fiat that she gave at the Annunciation, and she renewed over and over again throughout her life. We as Catholics are very familiar with those words, be it done unto me according to your word. Behold, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. These are beautiful words from Luke 138. I want to unpack those words for us here to get to the heart of the mystery of Mary's fiat. You know, this week, the Catholic Church is celebrating the feast of Mary's birthday. So we should all say happy birthday, Mary, uh, the feast of Our Lady's Nativity. And it was three years ago that I started this podcast. So we're beginning the fourth year here. So as we celebrate the anniversary, I want to go back and remember what we did on the very first episode, which was take a look at Mary. And today we're going to zoom in on her fiat. So welcome. To all things Catholic, I'm your host Edward Sri, and uh, I want to give a, a welcome back to anyone who's been listening for uh, a while. Thank you for being with us week in and week out. Especially if there's anyone that's been with us from the very beginning when we first launched this, uh, thank you so much for for being a long term listener. And I also welcome anyone new joining us for the first time. Thanks for joining us as we begin our fourth year together here. Many of you know I've been doing these. Uh, kind of small group gatherings, you know, over, over, uh, online events, you know, where I can come to your small group at your parish, or if you have a men's group or a women's group. And I want to give a shout out to a few of those groups I've met with recently, like St. John Vianney Parish in Fairmont, Nebraska, uh, Fairmont, Minnesota, as well as the men's group in Garnett, Kansas. We had an awesome gathering talking about how important the culture today needs men, men to stand up for truth, to stand up courageously for what is right and what is wrong. We talked about that. Uh, and then most recently, I've been doing a three-part Bible study with the Rosary Group in Jacksonville, Florida, where we're walking through the scriptures, walking through the mysteries of, of Mary and Jesus's life through scripture. We're, we're just about to wrap up this week, the, the last of this three-part Bible study. If you're interested in learning more about these uh, these gatherings and small groups that we're doing online, uh, I'd love to come visit your men's group, your women's group, your parish, your Bible study group. You can reach out to me on my website, edwardsri.com. That's Edward S-R-I. Uh, So you can contact me there. You can go to our uh, events page and reach out to me about these online small group events. Uh, Let's turn back to Mary, though. Let's turn back to Mary's fiat. 
I always like to think about the context of this scene, you know, before we get to the, feel the weight of, of what she was saying yes to just, just put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment. I just want you to just imagine being in the middle of your ordinary day. We don't know where Mary was, what she was doing. So picture, maybe it's your, you know, in your life today, it could be your office or it could be your living room and you turn around all of a sudden there's an archangel there. That would be pretty startling. And then this archangel says to you, hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. Now, what would that have meant to Mary? So for Mary to hear the Lord be with you, that's biblical code. I talk about this many times that it's used to address men and women in the Bible that God is calling on mission. They're calling, they're being called by God on a daunting mission where they're going to be stretched like never before. They're going to have to rely on God like never before. So people like Moses and Joshua, Gideon, David, the prophets all heard these words when God was calling them on their mission. And so when Mary hears the Lord be with you, she's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, something big is about to be asked of me now. And that's why the Bible says in Luke 1, 29, she's greatly troubled at what the angel says. And she's, she's, she's hearing, you know, she's feeling a little bit afraid, wondering what is this going to mean for me? Uh, And then the angel goes on and tells her what her mission is. The angel says, Mary, you're going to have a child. Now, right there, if the story ended right there, this is already a pretty amazing story, isn't it? An angel comes to her, says she's going to have this important sacred mission that she's being sent on from God. Uh, and then she learns what the mission's all about. It's about a child she's going to have. Like right there, that's pretty amazing. I, I want to ask the moms listening here, do you remember when you first found out you were expecting? Do you remember how, like what a big moment that was? You, you find out you're having your first baby. That's pretty amazing, right? Well, the story gets even better. Not just that she's going to have a baby, but the angel goes on to say that this child is going to be the long-awaited Messiah, the prophesied one, the one that the prophets foretold would come to restore the the great kingdom. He would he would be a great king and extend the borders to all the nations. And and, and so if you're if you're Mary and you're hearing I, I'm I'm going to have a baby, that's pretty exciting news. But then you hear the child in my womb is going to be the fulfillment of all prophecy. He's the Messiah King. Whoa! Right there, that 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 alone is such a is is the most amazing story in the Bible so far, right? <laughs> but it gets even better. The angel comes after. After Mary has her little question, well, how's that going to work out? You know, I don't know, man. The angel comes and says, oh, don't worry. God will take care of this. You will conceive as a virgin. The Holy Spirit, you will conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit as a virgin. And you can just imagine being Mary. I mean, there's never been a a conception like that before. (laughs) As a virgin, I'm going to have a baby. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. What an amazing announcement this is. And then to top it all off, the angel comes back and says, oh, I got one more thing for you, Mary. Uh, This child you have, he's He's the holy son of God. <laughs> you know, I always joke that some of us might say we have children who think they're God, but Mary's being told that her child is going to be the holy son of God. I mean, that's a lot to take in in one short conversation with an angel. An angel comes, Lord be with you, baby, Messiah. You're going to conceive as a virgin and this child's the holy son of God. Wow, that's a lot to take in. Um, but once again, you know, think about this. This is just, you know, Mary in her ordinary life. She's a pious, faithful Jew. And then God is inviting her to be a part of a much bigger plan. And I think that's what we want to see in the events, the, the events that unfold in our lives. 
you know, the unexpected twists and turns that happen in our life, whether it's in our career or in our parish, in our own spiritual life or in our family life, these aren't just random events. Right? Like we want to read them like Mary did. Mary is seeing something unexpected unfolding. She, she wasn't like sitting there going, oh, when's that angel going to come? <laughs> it just happens. And, and she sees God's will in the unexpected. And, and that's, this is paving the way for really understanding her fiat. That's the first thing I really want you to see, that she sees God's will in the unexpected. Now, another thing I want to highlight is just something that Luke's gospel does. And this is just interesting from a biblical standpoint, but it does make a very important, profound point that Luke is trying to, to make a comparison and a contrast between uh, what happens with Mary when the angel comes and makes this announcement to Mary and another person Gabriel spoke to. In fact, right there in Luke 1, uh, right before the Annunciation to Mary, the same angel Gabriel went and appeared to someone else. Do you, do you remember who that was? It was Zechariah, Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, which is Mary's kinswoman. Uh, Zechariah and, uh, and Elizabeth are about to become the mother of John the Baptist. Now, th- this is an amazing story because Zechariah and Elizabeth are old. They're in their old age, and they've been wanting to have a child for so long, and it's been a great sorrow for them that they've not been able to conceive. And now they're, they're very old, and her biological clock has been ticking over time. There's, they've probably given up hope that they could ever have a child. And then one day, Zechariah gets this announcement from the same angel Gabriel. But, but if you know the story, Zechariah doubts. Zechariah doubts that this is possible. And I want to contrast Zechariah's doubt with Mary's fiat, with Mary's confident faith. There's a great contrast that Luke is trying to show us here. And, and it may challenge us, you know, because if you think about, first of all, just like these, these two characters, you know, Mary's just this young woman in nowhere Nazareth. She's just in this obscure town. She's young. She's probably about 14, 15, maybe 16 years old. That's when Jewish women were typically betrothed. She, she's very young by today's standards. Zechariah is an old man. He's an old man. He's been around a long time. And if you had to expect, like, who's more likely to be able to read the signs of the time, read God's will and say yes to it, you would say, oh, probably this older, wiser, more experienced man, not just this young teenager. Well, you add on the fact that Zechariah isn't just an old, wiser, more experienced, mature man. He's a priest. I mean, this is someone that has priestly training. He's in the honorable office position as a priest leading the people spiritually. And, and Mary's just some ordinary layperson. So again, if you had to expect, like, who's probably going to be able to read God's will and interpret the signs of what's unfolding before him and who's more likely to have greater faith, you would think Zechariah, you know? And, and then when you realize that Zechariah is, when the angel appears to Zechariah, Zechariah isn't just like sitting in his backyard, sipping some iced tea or doing the lawn. No, no, no. He is in, in the Jerusalem temple at this time. So the most sacred space in all of of the earth, in the first century Jewish world. It was the temple, and he's going into the temple, performing the sacred function uh, in in this sacred time of liturgy, leading the people, and he's praying on behalf of all of Israel at this time. Uh, So if you ever expect, wow, you know, this guy is set up to hear the angel's message and say yes. Whereas Mary is just this young virgin from Nazareth and just an ordinary layperson in the middle of her ordinary life in, in just this obscure town, nothing special going on. Who would you expect to have great faith? You'd expect it would be Zechariah. 
But Mary is going to really outshine Zechariah. Listen to what this one Protestant scholar says, uh, but Joel Green, he says, Mary, who, according to the first century Jewish standards, seemed to measure low on any status scale, age, family, heritage, gender, and so on, turns out to be the one favored by God and the one who finds her status and identity ultimately in her obedience to God and participation in his salvific will. So Mary, through her, yes, this, the, the one you would least expect, shines out brightly for her great faith. Uh, and then you add on the fact that, you know, think about what, what the angel was asking of Mary. This is the most important point here in terms of the contrast between Zechariah and Mary. You know, Zechariah is being told by the angel Gabriel that, you know, I know you're an old eight year old and your wife is old and has been barren all these years, but you're going to conceive. Now that's miraculous. That's a great inter- intervention by God to give this old barren couple a child. But those things happened before, you know, a, a man like Zechariah should know better. He knows that God intervened in this way with women of the Old Testament, people like Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were old, and yet God intervened and gave them a child, Isaac. Uh, we think about Hannah. Hannah, for many years, was barren in the Old Testament. She was longing for a child, and then God intervenes and blesses her. There is, there is a number of stories of God uh, intervening miraculously to give barren women, old women, children. This has happened before. So there's precedent for what God is asking of Zechariah in this moment. And yet Zechariah, the priest in the middle of the temple liturgy, uh, this old wise priest doesn't believe. He says, how can this be? I'm, I'm old and my wife is advanced in years. Are you kidding me? This isn't possible. Whereas Mary, what God is asking of Mary, think about this, my friends, think about what God was asking of her. God wasn't just saying, hey, just trust me, I'm going to do something really cool. God says, I'm going to give you a child, you as a virgin. You are going to conceive a child as a virgin. There's never been a conception like that before. Completely unprecedented. Says one New Testament scholar says, the bombshell of the virgin birth announcement that Gabriel drops on Mary has no biblical prototype for her to consider. Long-suffering barren women might miraculously conceive, but they still needed a male sexual partner. Virgins who do not know man are by definition childless. <laughs> and it was God is asking Mary of something that has just never, ever, ever happened before. And Mary says, yes. This makes her yes so much greater. It's not just like saying yes to God's will. It's yes to just something that seems impossible according to just all human you know, understanding. This seems impossible, but yet Mary says, nothing is impossible with God. For with God, nothing is impossible. Do you have that faith of Mary? Do you really believe that with God, nothing is impossible? We're challenged by Mary and her fiat to have great faith like she did. Do you have loved ones who are away from the church? Maybe you have a child, maybe you have a a, a brother, maybe you have a friend that's been away from the church and, and, and sometimes you're tempted to give up hope for them. Do you really believe like Mary that with God, nothing is impossible? If God could could you know, make Mary pregnant as a virgin, he can bring your friend or your loved one back to the Catholic church. Do you struggle with a certain sin, a certain weakness, and you just keep struggling over and over again, and you're frustrated, you keep bringing it to confession, and you might be tempted to despair and think, why do I even bother trying anymore? I don't think I can ever change. This situation is never going to get better. 
Do you believe that with God, nothing is impossible? Do you have the faith of Mary and her fiat that God can do the miraculous thing? Do you really believe that? Mary invites us to believe, to have faith like she did. Maybe there's a real complex situation at work and you're just wondering, how is this ever going to work out? I just don't, I don't, I don't have much hope here. Uh, or, or maybe there's a, r- a really messy situation in, in your parish. And you're just wondering, is there anything, is it ever going to get better? Or, or my marriage or something in my family life? I just, I just don't have a lot of hope. You know, in those moments, remember Mary, what would Mary do? Mary always had hope. She believed that with God, nothing is impossible doesn't mean that God's going to come right down and bring his grace and act right away in that instant to, to, to make things work out the way you're hoping. Maybe he has a different plan of how it's going to work out, or maybe he's going to answer your prayer, but in his time. But do we really believe though, fundamentally, that with God, nothing is impossible? What would Mary do? Mary wants us to have that great faith. Let's ask her to help us have the faith like she did, to trust that God can do to undo the whatever knots in our lives we're facing at work, in our own spiritual life, with someone we love, in our family life, in the parish, whatever it might be. Another thing I want to bring up is that Mary in Luke one thirty eight, when she actually gives her fiat, she says, behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. You know, that's, that's the, the nice modern translation and it's fine. But I want you to know that the actual Greek word doule literally means servant or even more literally slave. Mary says that she's the slave of the Lord. And here she puts herself, you know, in the footsteps of people like Moses and Solomon and David. And, and, and she's anticipating what St. Paul is going to say. St. Paul's going to describe himself as a slave of the Lord. But I don't want you to think of this as slavish in the sense of like oppressive, you know, like, I, okay, well, there's a God up there and he's all powerful and I just have to do what he wants. That's not what Mary means when she calls herself the slave of the Lord. And sometimes we could be like that. We can be, you know, melancholic Christians saying, well, I got to do this. It's the nice thing to do. And I have to be kind to this person. And well, I guess I got to put up with this situation with my spouse and I have to be faithful. We kind of just kind of, we, we do the right thing, but we do it kind of begrudgingly. We do it kind of complaining in our heart. Like, I wish I didn't have to do this, but I guess this is what a good Christian does. They give up something at Lent. And so I got to do that this year. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? We do things like that. That's not Mary's heart here. When she calls herself a slave of the Lord, she's not like, well, I'm a slave of God. I guess he wants me to be the mother of the Messiah. No, it it reveals something beautiful. If you don't remember anything else from today's episode, but you give me your full attention right now, I want you to see this important point that Mary sees that that her life, she doesn't want to use her life for her own purposes. She, She knows that God's given her freedom, but she wants to freely give her life back to God. She wants to use her life as a gift to God. She loves God so much. She's a slave, like a lover. She's so in love with God. She says, God, I know I, you've given me free will and I could do whatever I want with my life, but I don't want to do whatever I want with my life. I want to do what you want. Uh, I don't want to follow my dreams. I want to, I want to follow your dreams for me, God, because I really believe your dreams, your plan is so much bigger than anything I could come up with on my own. I had my plan. I had my dreams and maybe they didn't turn out exactly what I hoped, but I, I, I found deeper meaning, a deeper richness and, and purpose in my life by surrendering to your dreams and plans for me. My wife and I have been talking recently about how many people say things like, you know, when you get married, you don't have to give up your dreams. 
You know, you can be married and still have it all and do follow your interests, your hobbies, your career, all these things. And you don't have to give it all up. You, you can, you can have it both ways. You know, you can be married and, you know, and still follow your dreams. And I get what people mean by that, but I don't think Mary would put it that way. I think Mary would, would enter into whatever she did, whether it was marriage or friendship or, you know, whatever God was, was unfolding in, in, in her life. And she would see, I, w- I want to follow your dreams, God. I want to be really open to discovering something that I wasn't expecting. And I think those of us that have been married for a while, we could just see that maybe our marriages didn't turn out exactly what we were, the way we were expecting. And there were different things that came up in life, but we actually found something deeper, something more beautiful, something richer than what we could have come up with on our own if we're really open to God's dreams for our lives. And that's what Mary means when she says, I am the slave of the Lord. I'm the servant of the Lord. She's saying, God, I love you so much. I don't want to use my life for my own purposes. I want to use it for yours. I I want to give my life as a gift. And, And we should be like this every day, like Mary. God, how do you want me to use my life today? How can I use my life to serve you? and serve your plan in my home, in my workplace, and the people I interact with, how can I serve your plan, which is so much bigger and better than anything I can come up with? Last little window into Mary's life, we'll close here, is when she says, be it done unto me according to your word. The words be it done unto me in Greek, genoito, describe kind of like a, an ardent desire on Mary's part, like a longing on Mary's part. It's like she, she's wishing for this. It's not just like a, a passive surrender. Like she's just passively going, okay, well, I guess if that's what God wants, I, I guess that's what I should do. No, no, there's like a joyful abandonment to God's will. One of my favorite New Testament scholars on Mary, Ignis de la Paterie, once said this, that her, her little fiat here, be it done to me, genoito, is not a simple acceptance or even less a resignation. It is rather a joyous desire to collaborate with what God foresees for her. It is the joy of total abandonment to the goodwill of God. I think that's so beautiful that she, she wants to collaborate with whatever God foresees for her. Too often we want God to collaborate with us and our plans. <laughs> you know, hey God, I figured out this is what we need for the parish. This is what the, you know, I need in my family life. This is what we need in the workplace. Yeah, I, I invite God to be a collaborator with me. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what Mary did. Mary wants to be a collaborator with God's plans and God's dreams. And, and that's why her yes is like, again, a yes of a lover. It's not just, okay, I guess this is what God wants. I guess I have to do it. No, she's joyfully longing. It's like she wishes it. She sees, oh, this is what God wants. Then I want to run after it too. It's like when someone's in love, they just want to fulfill the desires of their beloved. They see, oh, that's what my beloved likes. My beloved likes flowers and my beloved likes chocolates. I just want to, I want to, I just want to do that for my beloved. That's what Mary did for her beloved God. And God's inviting us to do the same thing. She's inviting us to imitate her. So whenever we have things that are unexpected, the unplanned, let's try to find God in the midst of it. And let's remember with God, all things are possible. Let's never fall into a, a despair, a discouragement, but to really have a hope, confidence like Mary, that, that, that God can, can bring good out of all that's happening in our lives. And, and let's run after God's dreams and God's plan for our lives and not our own. Uh, 
if you want to learn more about Mary and the Bible and what we're talking about, everything I'm drawing from is from my book here called Rethinking Mary in the New Testament. It's an in-depth scriptural look at Mary, uh, unpacking every biblical data point, every biblical reference to Mary in the New Testament, and really, really unpacking all the rich meaning in light of the prophecies in the Old Testament. We'll put this in the show notes, Rethinking Mary in the New Testament. And again, I just want to invite you, if anyone's interested in these small group events, you can reach out to me on my website, edwardsree.com, and you can always contact me through Facebook. Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks so much, and God bless.